Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. We enter our number two of the program. Rob Blackman of the Purdue Bullermakers Radio Network going to stop by, talk a little Purdue football. Derek Schultz, Kevin Bowen talking Colts, chaos, Casey Valier as well. But first, he is the star of the show, the bringer of rain. It's Network Indiana's Brad Huber. Thank you very much, Jimmy Cook. Good to be with you and Sam Fritz tonight. Hello, everybody. A busy night of college basketball and football across the state. Let's get to it. We just talked about it with Tom Noy, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, number 20 in the country. They survived a late game comeback by Navy. Navy outscored Notre Dame 19 to nothing late in that game, but Notre Dame hangs on to win 35 to 32. The Ohio State Buckeyes were all over the Indiana Hoosiers today, 56-14. Indiana's bowl hopes are now officially gone. They are bowl ineligible. A big win for the Purdue Boilermakers. They upset the 21st-ranked Illinois Fighting Illini on the road in Champaign, 31-24. They are well and alive for the Big Ten West race to try to get to the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. They need to beat Northwestern and Indiana and have Iowa lose one of Nebraska and Minnesota, and that will take care of Purdue winning the Big Ten West. Drake beat Butler today, 27-24. The Indiana State Sycamores ended an eight-game losing skid. They shut out Western Illinois, 21-0. And the Valpo Beacons beat Marist, 45-24. A huge congratulations to the Greyhounds of the University of Indianapolis, 18th in Division II. They beat number 22, Truman State, 28-14. And that clinches a GLVC championship. And the Greyhounds are headed to the NCAA Division II playoffs beginning next week. Division Three football, Anderson, their first win of the season, their only win of the season. They beat Manchester 19-12. The battle for the Monon Bell today in Greencastle as DePaul was all over the Wabash Little Giants 49-14. The Tigers are NCAC champions. They are headed to the NCAA Division Three playoffs, which get underway next weekend. The battle for the victory belt took place in Franklin today. Hanover got it done 24-3 over the Grizzlies. Mount St. Joseph's beat Rose Holman 40-31. Trine beat Kalamazoo 42-19. Indiana Westlane in the NAIA levels all over Madonna 79-7. They are headed to the playoffs next week, as is Marion, who beat Lawrence Tech 45-14. Concordia, Michigan beat St. Francis 27-10. Siena Heights beat Taylor 24-7. Let's talk college hoops. A battle of in-state schools. The Indiana State Sycamores got the best of the Ball State Cardinals 83-71. St. Louis, the Billikens beat Evansville Purple Aces today 83-65. And Purdue-Fort Wayne beat Southern Illinois Edwardsville 81-76. Purdue Northwest winners over William Jewell 77-62. Anderson beat Kalamazoo 81-71. Adrian beat Manchester 67 
to 66. NAIA, Bethel upsets number 22, Oregon Tech, 87-85. They are 5-0 to start the season. Calumet College of St. Joseph's beat Trinity Christian, 83-69 for their first win of the season. Miami of Ohio, yes, Miami of Ohio Division One beat Goshen, 87-44. Grace beat Bushnell, 89-66 to start 5-0 on the year. St. Xavier beat Holy Cross, 76-67. Huntington and Southern Oregon getting ready to tip out west. Dort was all over IU East today, 96-85 in the Northwestern Classic in Orange City, Iowa. IU Kokomo all over Carolina University, 96-39 in the Bevo Francis Invitational in Rio Grande, Ohio. IU Northwest in triple overtime beat Judson, 95-91. Indiana Tech was winners over Madonna, 84-71. Warriors are 5-0 on the year. Marion beat Shawnee State, 72-67. Oakland City beat Simmons College of Kentucky, 84 84- to 58 and Cumberland beat St. Francis, Indiana, 69 to 58. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Joining us now, he is the voice of Purdue men's basketball as well as a member of the Purdue Radio Network. He is Rob Blackman. Nice enough to take some time with us this evening. Rob, how are you, sir? Good, Jimmy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's always good to hear a familiar voice and always good to catch up on the Boilermakers. Uh, Let's start with the gridiron. I know that it's been a bit of an up-and-down affair for Purdue the last couple of weeks, yet somehow, someway, Coach Brom and Aiden O'Connell and company have a chance, albeit a small chance, to still make the Big Ten title game. Uh, Walk me through today's victory over Illinois after going down early they walk away with that 31-24 win. Yeah, a little interesting in the way kind of Purdue has not only navigated today's game, but quite frankly, navigated really the last month of the season because, as you said, Jimmy, it's really been up and down. You know, Purdue is on a four-game winning sca- uh, winning streak uh, that, that bridged the end of September through most of October, and you felt pretty good as a Purdue fan, and then all of a sudden you go on a two-game losing skid where – you quite frankly weren't very competitive in either game. So we weren't really sure what to expect today in this one. Right. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you know it, the, you know, the Purdue team that, that was really playing well uh, about a month ago seemed to show up today. So that was good to see. It was, you know, it, it, Purdue offensively, uh, the interesting thing, Jimmy, is I didn't think Purdue offensively was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at the numbers at the end of the day, Purdue put up more offense, at least total yards, than any team has put up against Illinois all year. Uh, Purdue had a 100-yard rusher in Devin Mockaby, which Illinois had not allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. And uh, and Purdue won the time of possession battle, which very few teams have done against Illinois this year. I mean, Illinois is the number one ranked defense in the country coming in in yards allowed and points allowed. Uh, and Purdue scores 31. So right. while as you watch the game, you can't, you didn't feel like Purdue was great on offense. You felt like they were just okay. But when the game's over, you're looking at the stat sheet, and, and you're actually feeling pretty good about yourself as a Purdue fan. So uh, it was nice to see Purdue get back to the winning ways. Again, boy, the last two games, the losses to Iowa and Wisconsin have been really disheartening, especially last week at home against Iowa where just, you just felt like Purdue didn't compete. Uh, but uh, but Purdue certainly whatever they was said in practice this week, uh, the coaches must have gotten their attention because man, they came to compete today, and and that was a huge win for Purdue. What's the mindset been like at West Lafayette, knowing it's out of their 
control in terms of not being to control their own destiny to make the Big Ten title game, but also knowing they've clinched a bowl appearance for the fourth time in six years that talks about the just the consistency and the level of continuity that Jeff Brom brings to his program each and every year. Yeah, I'll start with this. You know, it's it's you know how fickle football is. <laughs> it, it truly is a week to week proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, last week at, at this say say uh, say this same time last Saturday after Purdue had lost in a pretty uh, embarrassing fashion at home to Iowa. You know, we as Purdue fans are talking about, well, can we maybe still make a bowl game? Can we still <laughs> right. can we still right. salvage a winning season? And now here we are, one week later. And you're you're saying to yourself, hey, you, we could still win the West. I mean, if, right. if we're being realistic here, Purdue has the easiest route mm-hmm. um, because Purdue has only Northwestern and Indiana remaining. Northwestern's only won one game all season. They haven't won a game since August. Uh, and IU started 3-0 and and hasn't won a game since. So on paper, Purdue has the easiest route. The one thing Purdue needs is for Minnesota to beat Iowa next weekend, which is very – if you look the way those two teams are playing right now, at least after today, it's very realistic that Minnesota could win that game because it's in Minneapolis. So, again, perfect scenario. Purdue wins out, and Minnesota beats Iowa next week. And next thing you know, Purdue's playing in the Big Ten championship game. So, it really is crazy how football is a week-to-week proposition. Like I said last week, we were all poo-pooing, just hoping to make a bowl game. And, and now, all of a sudden, all the Purdue fans, like myself, are excited again, thinking, hey, we might still find a way to get to Indianapolis and play on December the 3rd. It's the beauty of action on the gridiron. A little less than a minute, Rob. I apologize. You know about the hard outs, uh, expectations for the Boilermakers on the court this season. Well, <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of like football, going to be up and down, up and down. I do think there'll be more ups than downs, um, but this is, man, it's a young team, a really young team. If you count the walk-ons and the, and the fr- freshmen that are going to redshirt, you're going to have seven total freshmen uh, on this roster. So uh, I, I think it's going to mirror the football team uh, for, for better or for worse. There are going to be some games when uh, – uh, when I'm talking on the Bob Lovell radio show, talking about how great Purdue looks, and then there'll be some weeks where I'm wondering if we'll ever win another game. So I think <laughs> Purdue football and football and basketball are going to be very similar to one another this year in, in that aspect. Rob, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Ever is the up and down Purdue Boilermakers campaigns, but you do a great job and always appreciate your work. Thank you for making time for us, good sir. Of course. Thanks, Jimmy. No problem. We'll be back after this on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Derek Schultz up next. And let's begin with basketball tonight. The Indiana Pacers, a very impressive win over the Toronto Raptors, 118-104 to at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The Pacers outscored the Raptors 36-14 to in the fourth quarter to get the win. Six players for the Pacers in double figures. Buddy Heald led the team with 22 points. G League basketball, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, they fell to the Sioux Falls Sky Force, 124-114 to out in South Dakota. To ECHL hockey, the Fort Wayne Commons beat the Wheeling Nailers to the one. All three of those goals came in the first period. And just wrapping up, in Cincinnati, the Indy Field will fall to the Cincinnati Cyclones 
five to two with 25 seconds to go in that third period, but that will be five to two Cincinnati. College football today: the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, get by Navy 35 to 32. The Irish led 35 to 13. Navy scored 19 unanswered to pull within a field goal. Indiana falls to Ohio State in Columbus 56 to 14. Indiana's bowl hopes are now done. We just heard from Rob Blackman from the Purdue Radio Network. A huge win for the Boilermakers. They upset 21st ranked the Illinois Fighting Illini. 31-24. Purdue stays alive in the Big Ten West race to try to get to Lucas Oil Stadium. They need to win out against Northwestern next week in Indiana in the Old Oak and Bucket game Thanksgiving weekend and have Iowa lose either to Nebraska or Minnesota and Purdue will be in the Big Ten championship game. Drake beat Butler 27-24. Indiana State got their first win of the year 21-0 over Western Illinois. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook, happy to be in for the coach Bob Lovell on a Saturday. Fear not, Coach Lovell will be back next week. Plenty of rivalry games, though, that I'm happy to recap throughout the night. And Brad Huber doing a great job hitting those for you on the scoreboard updates every 15 minutes. Sam Fritz behind the ones and twos. And our next guest, who was at one of the rivalry games today. In fact, the 128th edition of the Monon Bell Classic. He is one Derek Schultz, the wearer of many hats on the ISC Sports Network. Derek, back on the sidelines today, if I'm not mistaken, second time out there, correct? Second straight year? Yeah, that's right. And uh, and it was great. It was great to watch the uh, temperature drop about 45 <laughs> degrees from Thursday to Saturday when I had to stand outside for five hours. No, honestly, it was a great experience. Uh, had never been to Greencastle, went last year to Crawfordsville and watched a great game. Uh, this was not a great game as far as the final score was concerned, but it was, I, I think, cathartic to see DePaul uh, release some frustration from blowing a 21 nothing lead last year. They had a 21 nothing lead at halftime this year and uh, held on for a, a one-sided 49-14 win. No, I don't blame you at all, all jokes aside. I'd be right with you. I'd be very excited about that assignment from the great Greg Rakestraw, and then I would look at the forecast and realize, oh, it's time to bring the winter jacket out now. This is a fun last couple of weeks, but time to bundle up. Did you play in the snow? Uh, were there any snow angels? I guess there wasn't enough snow on the on the turf for the players to get involved with it, but uh, uh, you get involved in the elements at all? I did a little bit, uh, especially pregame. The, the nice thing was is that it was snowing heavy. Right. Uh, you know, Crawfordsville, I think, ended up with the most snow total in Greencastle, you know, not that far from there, just kind of down the road. And, and I would say maybe three inches around there. Um, but the flurries and the snow literally stopped 10 minutes before kickoff. So it actually did end up being uh, cold for sure, but not the worst conditions in the world for the actual game time. Uh, in terms of the play on the field, uh, obviously the bell is back. Uh, now an NCAA playoff bid as well for DePaul locked up. Uh, anything really jump out to you in this fury that the Tigers put together today? Well, it's very much a strength versus strength matchup with this Wabash offense and the DePaul defensive front. And Wabash has the best player in the league, one of the best players in the country in Division Three, and, and former North Central standout Liam Thompson. And he was befuddled all afternoon. He threw two pick sixes, um, never really got things going for Wabash offensively. So I, I was blown away. I mean, I, it, it was a coin flip game. A lot of people felt like going into it, and it certainly did not play out that way. Um, DePaul's defense just dominated the entire afternoon and, and was never seriously threatened. Like I mentioned, it was 21 nothing at halftime. 
28-7 at one point in the second half, and you thought, okay, maybe, you know, Wabash was at midfield. Maybe they could, they could score quick. Maybe they could get back in this thing. Another pick six, and that was pretty much all she wrote from there. Uh, did your paths happen to cross with, with one of my favorite uh, DePaul-involved individuals in uh, the legend, uh, Eddie White? Did you see him at all today? I did not, I did not see Eddie. Um, it's weird, Jimmy. Like, I feel like I know an equal amount of Wabash and an equal sure. amount of DePaul people. Sure. So I never I, – I really do try to remain neutral. Of course. But seeing the heartbreak of last year <laughs> being near the DePaul sidelines, right. it was nice to see them, you know, kind of bounce back and, and have that moment and, and have that afternoon. It's been a it's been a great back-and-forth rivalry for 100-whatever years, and it'll be a great back-and-forth rivalry for the next 100. It's a great tradition and always appreciate seeing it pop up on the schedule, as do both of those communities. Uh, shifting gears towards, you know, a pretty – Pretty calm, average week in the uh, Indiana sports market in terms of uh, news and everything. You know, outside of the Colts potentially setting everything ablaze on West 56th, uh, what was your initial reaction, Derek? Uh, obviously, I've seen some of it on Twitter, uh, but what were your initial reaction? Uh, you and, of course, uh, you can catch it uh, every week. Uh, Query and Schultz on the ISC Sports Network. Uh, what were your reactions, you and Jake, on the firing of Frank Reich and the hiring of... Colts legend and uh, high school coaching legend, uh, Jeff Saturday. Yeah, the former was not so much a surprise. It was the latter that was truly shocking. Um, I did not think originally that they were going to fire Frank Reich in season, but something just felt different about that Patriots game, Jimmy. Uh, That was a, a new low in a season of lows. I mean, to consider that you'd have that performance in week two against Jacksonville and you would actually look at that New England game and be like, wow, this is even worse. Um, it was shockingly bad how anemic their offense was. So it probably was time for a change. Um, The problem with hiring Jeff Saturday is that it's just completely out of left field. And look, everybody likes Jeff Saturday, right? Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years on a personal level. He's a wonderful guy. Um, And he was a fantastic football player. I mean, he's a, I don't think he's going to be a hall of famer, but he's right there. He's, he's a borderline hall of fame level. That's how good he was as a center. But, I just find it to be, and I don't mean this to say this in an insulting way, just because it's so unprecedented. It's pretty ridiculous to hire somebody with no coaching experience above high school level in season to come in and take over this situation with this quarterback, with this offensive line, and with all the disarray that's going on right now uh, in the front office and the brass. I think it's an extremely, extremely difficult situation for Jeff Saturday that he enters into with his first game tomorrow. Derek Schultz joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at Schultz975. Uh, in our next segment, I want to dive in a little bit with you towards the Raiders tomorrow. But I know that, you know, you had this interaction on Twitter a time or two. Uh, national media, which sometimes I love and sometimes I just sit back and laugh. Um, I know Joe Thomas had called it the most egregious move in NFL history, which, again, maybe slightly uh, blinders on. By that statement, uh, in terms of just the the shock and awe of it and the legitimacy of of it being a a real eight-game tryout for for Jeff Saturday and potentially having a a home within the Colts brass or being the head coach next year, where do you see all this aligning in terms of what it holds for the future and and the rest of this season at at a micro level? Yeah, I, I egregious. First off, uh, you know, egregious is what Ray Rice did in that elevator right, in the NFL right, spots right. like that. That's 
That's egregious. Uh, Dan Snyder and how he's handled things in Washington. That's egregious. Uh, this isn't egregious. It's, it's shocking. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's not egregious. Uh, so I, I didn't love the word choice there from Joe Thomas. Um, as far as just in the scope of this year, I, I think it's, uh, it's a sign that the owner is stepping in and, and taking the reins. Um, he didn't trust his head coach anymore, so he fired him. Um, he doesn't trust his general manager anymore, so he handpicked the next head coach. I mean, they're just, I, I don't buy for one second that Chris Boward would have even entertained the thought of having Jeff Saturday come in with no experience as the interim head coach. This, this to me is 100% clearly an Ursay hire. So I, I think what this projects out as it's, and you could tell by the tone and really just the words of Jim Ursay in the press conference, this is him taking over the direction of the team. And I think that should be a very scary thing for Colts fans, because when this franchise has been at its best, it's when Ursay stayed on the sidelines and delegated and allowed his head coach and his general manager and in, back in Peyton's case, the quarterback, handle their business. Um, when Jim has had a direct involvement in the day-to-day operations of the team, and, and look, this was 30-something years ago, um, it was a disaster. And I'm, I'm worried about that happening again, especially with some of the things. I, I don't think that he's properly identifying what the problem is. If you think analytics are the Colts' problem, or that was Frank Reich's problem, then you're just not paying very close attention. Um, that, that had very little to do with the Colts' lack of success. Um, right now, this is a personnel problem. The Colts are broken. Um, and the only ones, I guess, not willing to admit that are the two, two of the three people that were up at that press conference on Monday night and, and the general manager and the owner of the team. So I, I'm concerned about the, the short-term and the long-term future of this team if Jim Irsay is going to allow his emotions to cloud his intellect. Um, he knows football. He's been around football for a long time. But if Jim Irsay wants to take credit for everything that Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy and, and Bill Pulley did, um, no one's going to give him that credit. Uh, those are all three of those guys, Hall of Fame-level guys. And you give Irsay some of the credit, right, for finding them and, and putting them in place. But a lot of that era's success, uh, to me, uh, had, you know, I don't want to say little to do, but um, certainly not as much to do with Jim Irsay as it did with those three. Derek, I'd like to have you on for another segment. Uh, obviously, we're in flux with it being a Saturday night and, and a ton of uh, victorious programs around the state. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it teetering, but hopefully you got time for one more segment for me. Sounds good. I appreciate you. That's Derek Schultz. Follow him on Twitter at Schultz975. We'll be back with more on that, more on the Colts and a big weekend, rivalry weekend in college football on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. And it was a big day of college football across the state of Indiana. Let's get to the scoreboard here. The Valpo Beacons beat Maris 45-24. Division 2 today, a big congratulations to the Greyhounds of the University of Indianapolis. They're 18th in the country. They beat number 22, Truman State, 28-14. And clinch the Great Lakes Valley Championship and are headed to the NCAA Division II playoffs. So again, congratulations to the Greyhounds of UND. Division Three today, Anderson, their only win of the season, came today against Manchester, 19-12. We just have Derek Schultz talk about the Monon Bell game today. DePaul was all over Wabash, 
49-14. DePaul wins the NCAC championship and are headed to the NCAA Division III playoffs. And congratulations to the Tigers of DePaul. The victory bell game in Franklin today. It belonged to Hanover, 24-3 over the Grizzlies. Mount St. Joseph's beat Rose Holman, 40-31. Trine beat Kalamazoo, 42-19. NAIA, Indiana Wesleyan, number five in the country. They are headed to the NAIA playoffs. They beat Madonna, 79-7. And number seven, Marion, they too are headed to the playoffs. They beat Lawrence Tech, 45-14. Concordia of Michigan beat St. Francis, 27-10. Sienna Heights beat Taylor, 24-7. College basketball, in-state battle, Indiana State. The Sycamores got the best of Ball State, 83-71. St. Louis beat Evansville, 83-65. Purdue-Fort Wayne winners over Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, 81-76. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. So please, again, you've chosen to spend part of your Saturday evening with us. Joining us right now, just for a quick segment here, is Derek Schultz. We're going to get him uh, on real quick and get him on his way. Uh, Derek, a couple things that I wanted to ask you about first uh, regarding the Colts tomorrow as it stands in, in, in the short term. Got the Raiders coming. I'm in the boat. I want my teams either really good or really bad. I don't like NFL purgatory. It's kind of where the Colts are right now. Uh, this, I'm not a good fan. I'm not a Colts fan anyway, but I'm, I'm not a good fan. I'd say this way if it was my Chiefs. Uh, what's the outlook tomorrow? Uh, what should Colts fans be rooting for? What are you looking for out of uh, this staff and Jeff Saturday and Sam Ellinger tomorrow? Um, yeah, I mean, the outlook for tomorrow is, I guess, somebody technically has to win, I think. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there could be a tie. Um, both of these teams stink. Um, the Colts can't score, and the Raiders can't really do anything. So <laughs> what fascinates me about tomorrow's game is, is it feels a lot like, I think, what when, when you got into the, the second half and the third and fourth quarter of the Thursday night game against Denver, you thought to yourself, oh, my God, like, someone has to win this football game eventually, or at least somebody has to not lose. And I think we're going to see somewhat of a similar experience with tomorrow's pillow fight in Vegas. Um, I'm with you. It, it, it's not beneficial for the Colts to go 7-9-1 and one, um, or 6-10-1. Or and one. Uh, it, It'd be far more beneficial for them to really lose out uh, more than anything else. The, the issue is, is that you've got three bad teams left on your schedule. You've got the Raiders. Uh, I don't know if you've watched Pittsburgh at all this year. They're terrible. Um, and Houston, and who arguably is the worst team in the entire league, who, who you tied, <laughs> of course, earlier in the year. Right. Um, I, I am worried that uh, they're, they're going to want to turn this into like a validation of Jeff Saturday being the head coach. So they would uh, somewhere down the line turn back to Matt Ryan because clearly he's the best quarterback that they have. Um, Sam Ellinger is, is worth kind of rolling with to see what you have, but pound for pound, clearly Ryan is the, is the guy that gives you the best chance to win. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts go back down that road now with Reich out of the picture here. Um, but I, 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 at least I'm somewhat intrigued about tomorrow. You know, Frank Reich is still the head coach, and we don't have this wildly chaotic week in this town uh, over on West 56th Street. Then Sunday's game offers zero intrigue. I'd rather be doing anything else than watching it. 
at least now it offers some intrigue because you want to see if is Jeff Saturday in over his head? Um, is he going to know what he's doing here? Are they going to help him along? Uh, you know, a name that we haven't even mentioned, Jimmy Parks Frazier's 30 yep. years old, yep. and he's a play call. He's calling the plays. Uh, <laughs> and, and at least he has some experience, unlike Saturday. But, you know, that's another guy that they're real high on, they really like. Um, he may be a gifted offensive mind. Maybe, maybe he has something there. So what's exciting now about the Colts season is that it's a lost year. So now you kind of break the piggy bank with the hammer and see what you've got. Uh, and, and see what's inside. And so they'll see what they have with Saturday, who I don't think is a long-term answer, even though I do think he'll have a long-term role in the organization. I, I don't think he's going to be the head coach after this year. And then Parks Frazier, and then maybe even, you know, maybe you decide to yourself, hey, maybe we shouldn't play Brandon Face on anymore. Let's give Isaiah Rogers all those reps. You know, you, you might as well. You might as well start to kind of move towards the guys that are actually going to be part of this team's future. He is Derek Schultz. You can find him in a number of different spots, including Query and Schultz on the ISC Sports Network, uh, the Schultz Star Podcast. Anything else I'm missing, good sir? Uh, Indie Monthly, right That's upstairs. Right. That's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> appreciate, you, appreciate you always making the time. I enjoy those pieces. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'm sure we'll be texting about the Yankees uh, here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> always look forward to your Yankees text, Jimmy. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is Derek Schultz. Let's switch over to the gridiron. Long time, you Indy Greyhound, and the 2020-2021 GLVC Coach of the Year. In his fourth season at the helm, Chris Kievers of the UND Greyhound is nice enough to join us. Coach, little senior day, little GLVC championship. Let's go. How you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. It's fun to win. <laughs> Come from behind victory today, Coach, Senior Day, all, all the elements present there. Uh, take me through this one from your crew. Yeah, you know, we we, we, we came out, we laid an egg, we were four, down 14-0 at halftime, and our kids decided they were going to win the game. And we came back and we won 28 nothing, and they, it was a great comeback. And the, the, it was amazing how the kids, you know, just, you know, their energy changed and they – they uh, came after it, and they wanted to win. And we've had a special group all you know all year. We're nine and one, and there's a reason why we're nine and one because we 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 finish at the end, and we finish these guys off. We won twenty eight fourteen, won the won the uh, uh, championship. A nice fifty one yard strike in this game from Christian Conkling to Alonzo Derrick, a senior to sophomore hookup there, among other highlights in this game. Uh, obviously, you want to highlight the sophomore wideout, but also senior day. Uh, Conkling had another. Nice outing for him today, uh, 221 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Any other seniors uh, from this group that, that stood out today and, and put forth, uh, I think, a group of 20 seniors, if I'm not mistaken, right, Coach? We had 20 seniors, and, you know, our linebackers, inside linebackers, Ben Honeyus and Keave Gary, really played well. I mean, they put pressure on the quarterback and made tackles, and, you know, they couldn't rush the – they couldn't run the football, and it really – you know, we won the game because of it. Those two inside linebackers played really well, but all 20 seniors are special kids. I mean, for us to come back after four, down 14-0, we could have laid down. We did not. We came back, and we played really hard and really proud of these guys. Coach, things look set for the first playoff berth since 2019. Uh, what does it mean to this group, and what does it mean to you to be going dancing once again? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you know, in January, we made some goals, and we, we wanted to win the league. We wanted to go to the playoffs, and we want to make a playoff run. And and this is this is what we've done. I mean, our 
our kids have worked really hard. We got special guys. We got really good students that work really hard, and they, and they finish at the end. And so, you know, it's it's something we've looked forward to, and we're excited about. League high eighth GLVC title captured by the Hounds tonight, Coach. Congratulations to you and your men. Uh, enjoy it tonight, and look forward to uh, watching the run in the NCAA's. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Of course. That is Greyhounds head coach Chris Kievers. Nice enough to take some time with us here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. That that's that's half the battle and half the beauty of being able to come in off the bench for Coach Level because you know that all these programs around the state are working their tails off to achieve their individual goals, to win rivalry games, to notch up conference championships, and just a tip of the cap to the Greyhounds able to knock off Truman State today again a 28 to 14 comeback victory for them in front of the home faithful on senior day you Indy going back to the NCAA tournaments for the first time in three years very happy and congratulations to that entire group of seniors 20 seniors strong for the Hounds always happy to see the local teams doing well and all the best to them as their season continues in the NCAAs that'll be likely on the 19th, September, Saturday the 19th, when first round action gets rolling there. Well, as the show rolls on, we are going to have a conversation with one of my favorite people in Colts media. One Casey Vallier is going to join us here in just a couple minutes. We'll get the perspective from West 56th, uh, how things are rolling, what the expectations are for tomorrow. And me and Casey will play a fun game where we try to balance ourselves amongst the construction of this show because we both like to talk and we both like to go on and on about the different things we're passionate about which in this case is Colts football so we'll get to play beat the clock basically live for you here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk and of course maybe some more surprise guests perhaps some more talks of rivalry games across the state of Indiana as there's snow on the ground when there's snow on the ground unless you know Something has happened with Mother Nature. You know we are right around the nitty-gritty of both high school football and college football with bowl games and playoffs galore all around this great nation. Going to step away. We come back. Casey Vallier, Colt Radio Network on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. A busy day of college basketball across the state with all the football talk. Division two, Purdue Northwest beat William Jewell, 77-62. Anderson, winners over Kalamazoo, 81-71. Manchester falls short of Adrian, 67-66. Bethel, an upset win at the NAIA level over number 22, Oregon Tech, 87-85. Bethel, 5-0 on the season for the Pilots. Calumet College of St. Joseph's beat Trinity Christian 83-69 for their first win of the season. Goshen falls to Miami of Ohio. The Red Hawks 87-44. Grace beats Bushnell 89-66. Grace 5-0 on the season. St. Xavier beat Holy Cross 76-67. One game going on right now out west as Huntington leads Southern Oregon 51-44. That is at halftime. Dort beat IU East 96-85 in the Northwestern Classic in Orange City, Iowa. IU Kokomo all over Carolina University 96-39 in the Bevo Francis Invitational in Rio Grande, Ohio. How about a triple overtime game? IU Northwest gets by Judson 95-91 in three overtimes. Indiana Tech winners over Madonna University 84-71. The Warriors start 5-0 on the season. 
Marion. They beat Shawnee State 72-67. Oakland City winners over Simmons College of Kentucky 84-58. And St. Francis, they fall to Cumberland today 69-58. We'll have all that and more football and basketball at the top of the hour. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the Hall of Famer, the coach Bob Lovell. He might not be in a Hall of Fame right now, but he's in my Hall of Fame. Gosh darn it. He is the in-game studio host for the Indianapolis Colts as well as their radio coordinator as well. One of my favorite people in the Colts media market. He is one Casey Vallier. Casey, happy Saturday to you. How are you doing? Jimmy, I'm doing great, man. Good to talk to you. It's been a while. You're not in a Hall of Fame, are you? Did I short cheat you there? Or are oh, you, are no, you... no. There's there's no Hall of Fame that I am in, but but I appreciate the, the high praise. You're, you're, you're in the Cook Hall of Fame, which is where I'm at. So that's I don't know how much that's saying, but uh, appreciate Good coming. for me. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I'm, I'm tripping over myself a bit because you and I are both good talkers, and there's hard outs to play with. So, Casey wild week maybe one of the wildest in Colts history you were in the building what's the pulse other than I guess shocked which has been the the word a lot of players have used this week yeah that, that's that's a great way to put it I mean I, I I'd like to say I had other words but it was one of those things where you know you, you see the news about Frank and it was like it's sad because you have a relationship with a guy you know him as a human being and all that stuff you never want to see change that makes things tough but then the Jeff Saturday news, that kind of threw everything for a loop. So everybody's just in shock, and I think we're still there. It's one of those things you wake up and you're like, Jeff Saturday is the interim coach of the head of the Colts. It's kind of bizarre. It all hasn't really sunk in yet. I think maybe tomorrow when we see him take the field, maybe that'll set things down to normalcy, but, but we'll see. Casey, I understand. I guess I'm going for whatever reason. House the Dragon, Game of Thrones here. That's where my mind's going. I understand with House Ursae. You know, there is an extent of, of in that building to, you know, it's the team owner, not just there, anywhere around the league. Bend the knee to the owner, whatever you got to do. That's fine. Like, it, follow his direction. This is, at least in my mind, at least as it's reported, a Jim Ursay stamp approval move. He's the one that wanted to bring him in. Uh, how do you expect that dynamic to change between uh, Chris Boward and now new head coach Jeff Saturday as they try to piece this thing together for the last eight games of the season? No, for sure. That's something that we're all kind of probably anxious to kind of see how it unravels. Um, but I think there was a couple telling things that were mentioned during their press conference where Chris announced that, you know, we've been trying to hire Jeff for some time. So I think clearly there is that relationship between he and Saturday as well. We found out he was a consultant for the team. So I think there is a little bit more of a relationship between he and Chris Ballard than maybe we weren't aware of prior to all this happening. But everybody knows the the affinity that that Jim Irsay has for Jeff Saturday, right. and it, it, it makes sense. I mean, there's definitely a pattern there, and it's something that you know what? Hey, for eight games, Jeff Saturday admitted he's helping out the people he loves. He grew up here, the staff, everybody from head off from the from the top of the building all the way down. Those are kind of his family, so that's kind of why this move made a little bit more sense as I started to think about it. That he was like. It's kind of like you just you help out a friend in need, and that's kind of what Jeff is doing right now. I don't think he's looking at it as a long-term thing because nobody really knows what's going on. Um, but but I think for right now, he's just saying, I'm just trying to help out a friend um, for sure. Casey Valier, nice enough to join us. You can follow him at C. Valier Colts, radio coordinator and in-game studio host for your Indianapolis Colts. Casey, about a minute or so, and I want to bring you back for one more segment if you have time. 
But when you look at the O-line, Saturday's alignment, a legend at that. Uh, Is there hope to fine-tune that, perhaps, with his mindset of getting in the trenches with these folks? You know, that that is one thing that, honestly, I thought about when it happened. You know, hey, an extra voice, just an extra set of eyes, who's a guy who's been there and done it. That was one thing that kind of tipped my hand was – Maybe this is part of the reason this is happening, too. Um, I think it can never hurt. You get a guy who's well-established. I mean, he's in the ring of honor. You know, he's arguably one of the – you know, the reason everybody knows of Peyton Manning is because of that line. And, and I mean, I, I Peyton Manning was what he was, but he wasn't that guy without Jeff Saturday and the Tariq Glens and all that. So, ultimately, I think that definitely can help. I'm not sure if it's going to help tomorrow because it's such a small sample size. But maybe throughout the rest of the year, you might start to see a little something trickle down. The internal clock is golden. Casey Valier (laughs) gets it done. You got time to play beat the clock one more time when we get back? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be back with him. Get Colts Raiders prediction. We come back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. That's Casey.